Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Compulsive Reader Talks. I'm Magdalena Ball and today's guest is Mark David Gerson, the author of The Moon Quest and the recently released Voice of the Muse. Mark, well, Mark David, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. It's great to be here. It's nice to have you. Um, before we get into having our chat, can you just read us a little bit, bit from the book to situate the listeners? Certainly. Um, and um, the book is really a, uh, com- comprised of kind of short, short-ish vignettes. So I'll just read uh, a short one and part of another one. And this one's called Just Start and Trust Your Inner Vision. Just start and trust your inner vision. Just start and know that the words that long to pour from your heart will find their way onto the page. Thought by thought, word by word, breath by breath. For the words are there, the story is there. It exists already. In another dimension, a parallel reality. It exists with a life and an imperative of its own. Just start and know that the words will flow. Know they will flow without having to know what they are or where they will carry you when you free your story to unfold onto the page. See the words appear as magically as the lemon juice ink we use as children to create invisible writing. Hold your page to the light, the light of your heart and the light of your truth, and let your words take shape. Watch the letters form on the page. See them combine into words. The words join into sentences. The sentences unite into paragraphs, and the paragraphs flow from page to page to page until the story is done, until the work is complete, and you who started with nothing but a blank page and faith in the power of your inner vision, are amazed and awestruck by the power of your pen. Don't push your pen as you set it down on the pristine whiteness of the virginal page. Follow it. Allow it to carry you on a wondrous journey as you surrender to it and allow it to chart the course of your creativity. Follow your pen. Let it guide you on a safari into the darkest of Amazon jungles the uncharted territory of your deepest self. Your pen will map out the journey, inking your itinerary as it forms before your eyes, allowing you and your readers the freshness of new experience. Follow your pen as I do at this moment, not knowing where it will carry me, allowing my terror to exist side by side with my awe and wonder, each word emerging despite my resistance to it. I too fear the unknown, despair at the, at the necessary surrender. I, too, long to know how this sentence will end and who I will be when it does. I cannot know, need not know, at times dare not know. All any of us can do who are called to this journey is place one word after the next, and then another, and then another, allowing the, pen of our pe- the power of our pen or of our fingers skipping across the keyboard to chart the way pen stroke by pen stroke, pixel by pixel, moment by moment, breath by breath. Mm. I feel like I should just go off and write and forget about this interview now. (laughs) I'll wait for you until until you're you're ready to continue. (laughs) I'm sure the listeners feel like that too. Um, It's quite uh, a poetic perspective. The, the whole book really has, is full of metaphor and, and poetry. Did it almost feel like an extended poem for you? 
Well, the the way it was written was kind of um, it wasn't written as a book for other people. It was written as these little as these little meditative, inspirational vignettes. I love the word incantation you use in your review for for me because I was feeling stuck and I would just sit down often in the car um, and just write whatever came out. And these were kind of words of encouragement for me to get on with with, with my writing. And so there was no kind of at the outset, there was no intentionality. I wasn't writing a book. I was just looking for ways to inspi- to be inspired, and and that's how it came out. Mm. I love the idea of, um, as a writer, I love the idea of the story already being in existence. Tell me a bit more about that. It's reassuring, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, it is, the idea... but, well, it's much easier to carve something out, isn't it, than to create it from scratch. Well, and again, that's a wonderful again, it's a wonderful image you just brought up because again, we go back to the you know the whole Michelangelo you know carving David out of this block of stone. You can say that David was already inside the block of stone, and all Michelangelo, all it's a big all, but all Michelangelo had to do was listen for where you know where the hammer and chisel needed to go to allow the statue to emerge. And it's the same idea. I mean, whether you believe in the in the kind of uh, the imagery that I'm using, the notion that that we all carry stories within us is certainly true, and uh, and I find it helpful for me and helpful to the people that I, I I teach and talk to to suggest that because it really feels as though really all that's required, and it's still a big all sometimes, is to listen, is to listen to the, to the muse, the storyteller that we already are, for the stories that we already have, and. I really do believe the stories are in us. And so um, if we allow them to have their way with us, if we get out of their way, which is really getting out of our own way, then we eliminate the resistance and, frankly, eliminate the writer's block because, that, to me, that, that's a large part of where the writer's block comes from, simply not listening to the story, not allowing the story to have its own life. Or, or maybe not trusting our own selves. Or, um, that's right. Accepting that we're capable. That's right. That's right. Well, we're, we're, you know, as I think all, well, certainly all human beings, but certainly all creative artists, because creative artists tend to be a little more sensitive, I think, than average folk, um, tend to uh, have been have come into this uh, into this lifetime with huge dollops of self judgment and, and self criticism, and 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 not good enough. Um, you know, the healthy egos usually only come after the success. Um, and uh, I think that, uh, you know, a l- large chunks of the book are dedicated to moving us past and beyond those judgments that really get in the way. Mm. Now tell me about the muse stream. Yeah, the, the, it's, 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 a, it's a phrase, it's an idea that is not new. Um, just the, just just the my description of it is, but basically my my sense and my own experience is that when we do set the pen to the page or fingers to the keyboard and simply write without stopping, get into a stream of consciousness, if you will, a a stream a flow of creativity, then there is no space for the judgment to creep in. There is no space for the inner critic, the inner censor to creep in, and we we find ourselves on that stream, on that flow, in that flow where the story resides. And the more we're able to do that, the more easily we're able to tap into that, into that creative part of ourselves. And when we stop, 
Uh, I mean, I, I suggest to people, unless you know they really practiced at this, not to stop to correct spelling, punctuation, and grammar, not to stop to search for the quote right word, not to tr- stop to try to figure out anything or or to second guess anything. Um, in in those initial drafts, just to get the words, the stories, whatever they are, out onto the page, even if even if half of it has to be has to be edited out later on, get it out. And, and really, the muse stream is about letting the story out, letting the story flow through you and onto the page, as easy and effortlessly as possible, as easily and effortlessly as you will, as you, the creator, will allow it to happen. Mm. And you say in the book, really, that the key to doing that is there's nothing magical about it. You simply have to get on with it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Just, yeah. I mean, and that's and that's where the magic happens by getting on with it. That's where the magic happens. You know, when I teach a writing class um, or a workshop, and I, it's, you know, I tell people in in the writing exercise to write on the on the news stream and to keep writing without stopping. The natural question, it is a natural question, is well, what happens if I don't know what to write next? You know, what happens if suddenly my pen is on the page and it stops moving? And the answer is, which sounds kind of silly when you're doing it, is to write anything at all. You know, um, my suggestions usually involve repeating the last word, repeating the last sentence, going back to the very first sentence of what you wrote. Um, my favorite is actually word association, just kind of play with words. But you can write, this is dumb, this is stupid, I wish I weren't here, I wish I were playing tennis, whatever. The whole notion is that as we keep the pen moving, as the words keep coming out, whatever the words are, we still that part of ourselves that is getting stuck and get back into the muse stream, into the flow of the words of the story. And so ultimately, is will that become important simply because it is our creative vision? So if we go for far enough, we will tap into what matters, the stories that really count. Absolutely. And, you know, when I, again, the, the, the book is filled with exercises and little, little starter tips for various things. And frankly, it doesn't matter what word you begin with when you're, when you're writing from that deep place, because ultimately... If you stay in that place of flow, whatever word you begin with, whatever whatever topic I throw out, doesn't matter because from that place of flow, you will find where the story or the story that needs to come out will find you. And the first mm-hmm. five ten minutes, for me, sometimes it's been way longer than that. I have to confess, really are simply clearing out the the you know the the, the detritus of my mind to make space for the story to come through. Now, your book is definitely um, geared for writers, but do you feel like the, the same notion, the same stories um, can also apply to people who have visual skills, such as painters and sculptors and you know, any other type of artist? Well, here's, here's, here's a secret I will share with you that, of course, no one else will know but you and me, which, <laughs> which is that <laughs> not, only, not only does it apply to any creative endeavor, it, impl- it applies to any life endeavor. Because the, the principles of being in the moment and, 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 of, and of trusting the story, your, your life story, if you will, really, um, really, all you have to do is change a few words and, 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 and edit a few concepts, and anything in this book applies to life. It applies to writing, it applies to, to visual arts, it applies to making music, it applies to anything that is creative and isn't life, you know, the ultimate creative act. In fact, the, one of the final sections of the book 
um, is titled Living Your Creativity. I want to make that, that, that marriage between life and creativity very obvious. It's very important to me in my life. And I think, it's, I think that um, when we apply the precepts of creativity to our lives, we live more fulfilled lives. And we, when we apply perhaps the spiritual principles of our lives to our creativity, we, 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 we are more fulfilled creators. Mm. Now, have you ever had a student who resisted your approach or, you know, sort of uh, new age stuff? Apart from me? Apart from me? (laughs) (laughs) Apart from you. (laughs) Well, as a matter of fact, I mean, people people say, well, does it always work? And the answer is I can't make it work for anybody. The only way it's going to work is if if you surrender in the ways that I ask you to. And so, yes, I mean, I, I, it has happened very rarely. I do remember one of my very first workshops, long before there was a book, um, uh, there was, um, I think it was a young man, um, there was a, a male certainly, who simply would not let go enough. Now, if you're not going to let go, if you're going to be in this place of tight control, then none of this is going to work. In fact, when I wrote the Moon Quest, which 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 was a novel that happened before I wrote before I wrote this, um, and I wrote the Moon Quest very much as I suggest people write in this book and in my in my in my, you know, my classes and workshops and coaching, I wrote every day not knowing where the story was going or what it was about or what was going to happen in, in in the next sentence or the next word even sometimes, and it was a very powerful if not always pleasant experience in letting go control, being in the moment, and trusting in the story. And in the years when the Moon Quest wasn't being published, um, I would say to people, and I was pretty, I mean, obviously I was disappointed, but it was still very true that writing the Moon Quest that way was as powerful, if not more powerful, a lesson in life as it was in writing. Mm. And just trusting in, in life's journey, um, as I had a trust in the journey of my, of, of my characters in, in, in the novel. And, and you obviously learned, as you were writing The Moon Quest, you know, about this whole, the whole, I guess, the whole impetus that became the voice of the muse. Um, yeah. At what point did you realize you had another book, you know, in which you talked about how the book is created? Well, again... The funny thing is, the next book was always going to be the sequel to the Moon Quest. It is, it is in my, in, as I understand it, in kind of my my sensing of it, it is a trilogy. And I had begun the the sequel to the, Moon, to the Moon Quest, which is which is called the Star Quest, and I was stuck. And that's when I began writing those little vignettes that became ultimately the Voice of the Muse. What happened with the Voice of the Muse was, um, at one point, I had an agent for the Moon Quest, and and it occurred to me that maybe all those writings about writing could be something. And I said, if I can put those together into a book, are you interested in a manuscript? Are you interested in seeing it? And she said, sure. So I, I, I gathered all these folders of, 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 of writings about writing and began to reread them and, and kind of allow themselves to or, organize themselves. And although that book at that time didn't get sold, I created an e-book um, initially. And when and when uh, and I added exercises and, and I you know and I organized it more thematically. And when the printed book was going to happen, um, I expanded that considerably, organized it, reorganized it some more, and updated it. And and but again, did the whole thing in a very kind of right brain intuitive kind of way because I don't think I could have sat down and logically organized all those writings. I think I would have been overwhelmed. 
um, I simply kind of allowed, as I allow in the writing, um, the bits of the book to find their own place. Um, and it was much easier and much less frustrating. And 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 you know, and there was and, and, and there was always still some some readjustment right right to the last minute. But it felt like again, the book had a, had a life and an imperative of its own. And if I let it speak to me, then I would know the best form and the best way to put it together. And that's that's ultimately what happened. And what a good example of practicing what you preach. Yeah, well, you know, when I the, the Moon Quest is a great example of practicing what I preach because, of course, I've been teaching writing for some years until that point, and I've been teaching the way that you know the Muse Stream kind of way, and but I had never actually written a full-length piece that way. I'd written shorter pieces, and so that was also kind of my proof for me um, that what I was teaching really did work and could work um, for a full-length novel. And of course, the voice that we use, in effect, was proof that it could work for nonfiction as well. And, and presumably, presumably, some of the chapters that you wrote for Voice of the Muse were meant to be you writing parts of the Mooncrest or, or sequel. Yes. And yes, so, you, will, yes. you know, ultimately, you've got a whole other book by just allowing your pen to do, you know, something else. That's right. And, you know, one of the things I talk about in, in, in the section of the book called The Myth of Writer's Block is that sometimes the book isn't ready to be birthed, or we're not ready to birth the book that already exists. And certainly in the case of the Star Quest, I was not ready. And so, but this was, the voice of the muse was, and so this came out first. Um, and it came out in a way to kind of reinforce my, my creativity as well, so that now I, you know, I've been working with this book now for almost, a, well, six months, almost a year, eight months, I guess, ten months. And, and reading from it and talking about it and talking about the principles, and boy, am I getting those knocked into my head so I can go back and work on the sequel now. You know, if we, if we do teach what we need to learn, then, you know, I'm, I'm, I am definitely the teacher and the student in all of this. Sure. And, and um, you know, do you find, because I, I talk to a lot of writers who, t- who tell me this, and it's certainly been my experience, that in some ways nonfiction is actually a much easier sell. Do you find it's easier to get attention for Voice of the Muse, yeah. for example, than, yeah, it was, than it, fiction? Yeah, it, it was easier to write and, and, easier to, and it's definitely easier to market and, ta- and, and talk about. Fiction is, fiction is, is just harder, um, and uh, I think that... Um, I mean, one of the things I like to say about the Moon Quest is it's really kind of a fictional version of the Voice of the Muse, because it really the story is the story really at some level is about creativity. It was certainly the freeing up of my own creative blocks, and um, I mean it takes place in a land where stories have been banned and storytellers have been banished or put to death. It really is about <laughs> blocked expression, you know, and um, but it's easier to sell it in a how-to form than it is to sell it in a kind of a metaphoric form, absolutely. And why do you think that is? I mean, what is it about you know, the nature of us, um, the, the, the public or the, the buying public or the reading public, that makes nonfiction easier? I think, I think we like to be told what to do. I think we all do. I think we like, um, I mean, it's funny because the, the, you know, there's lists of rules in the voice that use all of which start with rule number one, there are no rules. We like rules, we like structure. Uh, we like it, makes, it helps us feel safe. We like the kind of control that we talked about earlier, um, and we like you know we like to be told step one, step two, step three. We like the instruction manual that life doesn't come with. 
And um, when you're dealing with fiction, it's more open-ended. Um, you are free to have your own experience, which, which is both wonderful and can be scary. Um, and beyond all of that, which I think is very real, I don't know that, um, that uh, in this kind of information age that um, creativity um, and, and the kind of space that creativity both allows and demands is honored in, in quite the same way as, as information. I think, that's, I think that's, that's part of it, too. I think it's a function of where we are as, as, as a culture. Sure. And I guess, we, you know, we live in a tick box world, really. Everybody's so busy yeah. that there's not a, lot, not a lot of time for rumination. <laughs> that's right. In fact, it's interesting because people have asked me, is, there, you know, is the Moon Quest available as an audio book? And, and I would love it to be because I don't have time to read. <laughs> so, um, you know, I can listen to it in the car while I'm, while I'm driving to work or, you know, whatever. And, and that may come at some point. It isn't, it isn't now, but that may come at some point. But, yeah, it's, 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 I think, but, you know, I'm so sorry this did not get into the voice of the muse. Um, it, I did write a piece about it in my, on my blog. Um, as a writer, it's so important to be reading. Um, and it doesn't much matter what you're reading as long as you're reading good writing. Um, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be in your genre. It doesn't have to be fiction if you're writing fiction or nonfiction if you're writing nonfiction. Although I think there's a certain that that helps a little bit, but it's just so important to be exposed to good writing. Not that you go to sit down and analyze it, but we learn so much by osmosis, probably way more than any other way. And simply by reading good writing, we absorb good characterization, we absorb good structure, we absorb good storytelling, um, and we get ideas uh, that just kind of filter in. And I think that uh, it's so sad that reading is undervalued uh, because I think it's so important. Um, both in terms of how we grow uh, intellectually and spiritually and emotionally, and also how we how we grow creatively. Mm. And and you know also I think the whole notion of what is truth and you know a list of rules is not necessarily more true than a story in which we find something out. Well, the the subtitle of the Moon Quest is a true fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of part of my play on, on just that concept. You know, I think sure, that, the, lie that, that, the lie that tells a greater truth. That's right. Well, in fact, the, the fact that truth is truer than fact. Um, so truth, truth is deeper than fact. I mean, truth is what comes out of our hearts. Fact is what comes out of the encyclopedia. Um, and as I point, I don't know if I pointed out in the book or not, but you know, the old, the old phrase, history is written by the winners. So even history isn't necessarily fact. History is a point. Mm. History is point of view. I mean, everything is point of view. I mean, you sure. show me and even facts. Fact. Yeah, and even facts are constructed and, and organized, and you know, and, in a and sort change, of way. And they change as our as our awareness changes. I mean, how, you know, wasn't that many centuries ago that that we were all convinced that the Earth was flat? And then science showed us that it wasn't. Well, now what we believe to be science may, may not be entirely true now as new discoveries come in. So even fact is not always what it appears to be. And that, sure, again, is, sure. the, is, the, is the magic of fiction because, because through fiction we touch the truth of the human experience, which is, which is the truth. Everything else is just, on, is just built on top of that. Um, and so it doesn't matter whether, whether you know, you live in a mythical land and or it, where, where stories are banned, um, something in that story will touch you because, it touch, because it's, it's, it's the human experience, just, just framed sure. a different way. 
And love is still love, no matter, you know, whether we're in the stone age or now. And fear is definitely still fear, you know. So and anger and all these things, this is, you know, it's when I, again, when I teach, I I sometimes encourage people to stop journaling. This was my experience with the moon quest because I felt like I needed to get all those emotions that I was feeling into my story. And I and by putting them on the, on, in the journal page, I was getting them out of my system. But they were having, but I wasn't able to to use them in a way that was that was that was creative and constructive. So, um, but there are no rules again. So journaling works for some people on some projects, and not for other people on other projects. It's not it's it's not fixed in stone, and that's the other thing that I think where fiction scares people is because again, it's not. There's just it's 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 like an impressionist painting with with even more of the little dots missing. It's up to you to make up it what you will. Whereas nonfiction again is is, is prescriptive. It tells you again mm-hmm. this is how it is. Now tell me a little about the CD. What does it offer the reader that the, or the listener that the book doesn't? Sure. The the again the book is filled with both inspiration and practical tips and exercises. Among the exercises in the book are ten guided meditations. Um, which are designed to lead you into writing. And certainly anybody can, can record the meditations, have someone read them to them. My experience, when I ever I have read a book that has guided meditations in them, is that either I ignore them or, or I read them with one eye open. So I'm meditating with one eye and reading with the other eye because I can't be bothered to record it. And it's not very effective. So I felt that if I was going to include guided meditations in the book, I really owed it to the readers to give them an option um, of a professionally recorded CD that has those meditations on them so they can just do it. Uh, so the Voice of the Muse Companion is a two-CD set that has, a, a, you know, it's, it's my recording. It's been recorded in a professional studio with, with meditative music behind it um, of, of all the ten meditations, um, as well as an, an, an introductory track, which really kind of explains um, the basic philosophy of the book uh, and and uh, and my approach to writing. And I did, I did that because I wanted the CD to be able to be used on its own without the book and vice versa. So, I mean, I believe they work wonderfully synergistically together, but I didn't want to compel anyone to have both. I didn't want to include the CD because that would have raised the price of the book by too much. So this, this, this creates options for people, but, I, but uh, the feedback on the CD has been, has been wonderful. I had one person who bought the CD, and to my kind of amazement and slight horror, she listened, to all, she listened straight through to all the meditations at one time. But she said when she was done, she, she, could, not, she could not stop. I mean, she, she had to write immediately. I mean, it's, it's like whatever that did created such a, <laughs> such a compelling need to write that she just went and did it, and she's been, she's been at it ever since, which was, which was gratifying to hear. So the CD is a companion. Um, it's, uh, it's not an audio book. Um, although it does have a track of information and, and inspiration in it, uh, but it is a wonderful way to experience meditations. And the meditations are important for many people because it's very hard often for us to get into the space where we can be quiet enough to listen to the, for the story that's already there. So the meditations are really designed as, as aids, as, as, as assists to get you into that space where creativity can occur more easily. Um, or certainly it can occur in the middle of the freeway, but it'll happen. You can hear the story more clearly if you're in that still, still quiet place, and the meditations will get you there. I have actually pulled off the freeway once or twice just to write a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Not I, too I often, but it has, ha- it has happened to me. 
Yeah, I know that so, um, too. Mark David, we're, we're almost out of time. Um, I'd love to get you to give the listeners your website URL, and then maybe you could just finish up by telling um, your fans what to look out for, what's coming next. Sure. Um, the, the best place for everything is my, is my personal website, markdavidgerson, G-E-R-S-O-N.com. That has links to my two blogs, one of which is about writing for writers, called thevoiceofyourmuse.com. It also has links to be, for you to be able to get the books or the CDs. The books and the CDs are available on Amazon.com, directly from, from LightlinesMedia.com, the publisher, and you can find that on my website as well. And some bookstores in the U.S. carry both as well. Um, what's next? Well, I'll tell you what I think is next, but I'm not always in charge of these things. Um, just in the last several days, I've gotten, speaking of being compelled, I just feel so excited and so driven to get back to work on the Star Quest, which is a sequel to the Moon Quest. And um, as soon as I'm, I've been traveling for the past six weeks, as soon as I'm resettled, unless something shifts, that's what I'm, that's what I'm, that's what I'm, I'm going back to next. I'm, it's, uh, it's, it's um, a story that I have no idea, I have no idea what it's about. So I'll, I'll find out as, as the readers will, as they did with the Moon Quest. <laughs> was it, was it something that um, inspired you, or just you know suddenly out of the blue you I felt you needed to? I was teaching a writing class actually, and I. Um, um, leading the, the, the class, the group, group of adults, through a kind of open-eye guided meditation kind of thing. And when once they were writing, something compelled me to start writing based on the same exercise. And I never do that when I'm teaching. I always kind of hold the space for the, for the students. And I began to write. And what I wrote that evening became the first scene of the, of the first draft of the Moon Quest. No, believe me, no one was more startled than I was. Um, so oh, the story wonderful. was there. I didn't know it was there. I think that's a really key point. We, we, people say, oh, I'm not creative. I have no stories. Of course you do. You just haven't stopped long enough or listened long enough or trusted long enough or surrendered deeply enough for those stories to, 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 to come to the surface. But they're there. Serendipity. Mm, so, yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. Look, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for, for dropping by. My Our pleasure. next guest will... Our next guest will be Rob, Robert Nelder, who will be talking about his science fiction novel, Exit, Pursued by a Bee. <laughs> See you then. Thanks very much.